finds me blowing out candles and making wishes and all around me the barefoot princess twirls and sings it's so amazing looking back at all God's brought us through you are my happy birthday and you were born to break the chains now I know I know it's not just another birthday cause I'm here, she's here, and look how far we've come since you've called me, saw me, held me and freed me. Thank you Lord for another birthday, and we'll be
I got text this morning, happy Easter text from uh, Florida, South Carolina, Maryland, uh, Missouri, Ohio, Colorado, and it's just always awesome to know that we're gathering with churches all across this community, across this country, and around this world. Isn't it good? And if you happen to be visiting with us today or you're new to the church, if you don't know the words to the songs, just stand there and soak it in. Um, we hope that you just feel at home here and can join right in in the celebration of what this day is all about. Amen? I've got a young friend coming whose name is Lakeland, and in just a moment she's going to read from the gospel. But before she does, let's read responsively together this morning from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. He is risen. Absolutely. Okay, Lakeland, come on up here. From the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, Miss Lakeland has uh, volunteered to read that for us this morning. Here's, here's the good news, right, Lakeland? Let's do it. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salem, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, just curious, do you believe that's true? What? Yes, me too. Thank you, Lakeland. You're welcome. And those women went on to tell the good news that Jesus was alive to their disciples and their friends, and that's what we're here to do today. Let's stand together as we sing, amen?
to do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We've been doing that all morning. Isn't it exciting? Are you excited, church? I'm excited. Oh, this is what it's all about. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, Father, our Savior, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you let your son come to this earth and walk it for three years, Jesus, in his ministry. Thank you for the fact that he showed us so many things, that he understands us deep down, that he walked through so many things that we walk through ourselves. I thank you, Jesus, for being willing to go to the cross. Thank you for the suffering that you went through for us. Lord, we couldn't ask for more. You made a way to the Father. You made a way for us. And we are so grateful, Jesus. So thank you for this day. I pray that your presence will be here, that you will just sit among all of us, that we will know that you are with us. We love you. We praise your name. And thank you again for dying for us and for fighting for us and for rising again because you are alive. We love you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Would you guys turn and greet each other, tell each other, happy Easter. Good morning. Welcome to each and every one of you. We are so glad that you are here celebrating the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because he is risen. Amen. Amen. And we have a reason to celebrate. I'm so glad that you're here. As you came in, you picked up a handout hopefully like this. And uh, it has a connection card. If you didn't get that, you might raise your hand. I think we have a few left there. Corey's going to come around. Raise your hand if you need uh, a handout with all kinds of great information in it. It has a connection card in it. And I would love for you to all take this connection card out, please. And there's a pen located in a seat near you. Unless you're in the front seat, then it's behind you. But if you take a pen and just go ahead and write your name and your email address. I'm going to ask all of you to do that. Would you just write your name and email address on that card? And if you're visiting with us, just check there that this is your first time here. 
and uh, we would love to be able to follow up with you. In just a moment, our ushers will come, and you can place this card in the offering plate as it goes by. Thank you so much for doing that, your name and your email address, and I appreciate that. Also, we are going to be uh, dismissing our kids in a little bit, not quite yet, but in a little bit, and they're going to go back in the back with our children's ministries, and they're going to have a great time of celebrating Easter and hearing the good news of the gospel on this Easter day. And then after church, we will dismiss, and there will be an Easter egg hunt. Uh, but we wanted parents to be able to be with their kids for that Easter egg hunt. Uh, so that's going to be going on right after the service. Also, uh, Jim Rumsey is going to be heading out this week, Wednesday, to go to Serbia um, to assist Nazarene missionaries there in their ministry to Ukrainian and Russian refugees. And we're going to be praying for him later on in the service. And I want to say a huge thank you to WP Naz because we are entrusting over $700 with Jim to take to our missionaries as a gift. So thank you so very much for contributing to them. I know they will be greatly encouraged by that. And Serbia is, is just one of over 160 countries that our church is in. Our church is in more countries than McDonald's is. Isn't that wonderful? The good news of the gospel being spread all over the world, and we are so thankful. You have an opportunity to sponsor a child or two or three um, through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And again, there are brochures in the pockets in front of you there that you have an opportunity to sponsor a child that will enable them to get an education. So thank you so much for praying about that. Go ahead and take that brochure home with you and uh, consider sponsoring a child somewhere in the world. Be sure and check your bulletin. There are all kinds of wonderful things going on here at the church, and we would love for you to come back and be a part of that. Um, also, our, our kids can now stand, and you can be dismissed to go back with Miss Tracy. She's back there in the back, and all kids may go back there and celebrate Easter. We love you. Have a great time. We love our kids and our kids' workers. I'm going to be reading to you from the Gospel of John before our ushers come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. And the setting of this scripture in John 20, beginning with verse 24, is the evening, the evening of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. 
stop doubting Thomas and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very, very much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And thank you, Jesus, that on the third day, he was raised from the dead. He was alive again. And we are here to rejoice and to celebrate the hope that we have in a risen Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will open our eyes, open our hearts, Lord, to the risen Christ. Help us, Lord, to believe. Father, just be with us today and just, Lord, bless us. Keep us in your care, Father. We thank you so much, Lord, for all the many ways that you have been generous to us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be generous with others. Lord, as we give our offering to you, we just pray that you will bless it and bless those who give. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. continue our time of worship together. I woke up this morning early because I was excited. Actually, all of us are pretty excited. Pastor Ben and I were talking about it, that we're just buzzing this morning. As believers, knowing what Jesus did for us, this is a huge day for us. We are excited. So I got up and I watched a service from Israel this morning that was live, and they were right where they think maybe Jesus was buried in the garden tomb. It was just amazing to watch and to hear and to see where it could have happened. And then just to picture it in my mind, what it was like that morning. So are you excited this morning, church? Are you excited that Jesus did this for you? We're going to worship together and continue to, to sing. So would you stand with me and we will continue our time of praising Jesus.
getting your workout this morning. I saw some feet moving. <laughs> I wanted to read this to you. John 20, 6 and 8. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. 
the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. See this white linen we have folded here on the table? And Jesus, when they went to the tomb that morning, the one that was covering his body was laying in place, just all like his body had disappeared and the linen just fell. And the other one that was wrapped around his head was folded and laying there nice and neat, which was proof that the grave wasn't robbed because they would have taken it all with them. And it was also proof because I don't know of any corpse that would fold their linen. Do you? So pretty amazing to know that he left us even that. He's such a detailed God, and he knows every detail in your life, good, the bad, the ugly, and he loves you. He loves you so much. He did so much for you, and if you don't know him that way, then I'm praying for you this morning because I want you to. And we're excited about it. So we're going to continue to sing and, and praise him and believe that he rose for us, that he, it happened. And I'm free.
good news, amen. We've uh, just sung about what this day means for us one day. Praise be to his name. Pastor Scott, our youth pastor, is going to come and lead us in prayer, and uh, I'm also going to invite Jim Rumsey to come. And Jim, why don't you just kneel here at the altar on my right, and uh, let's have some of our folks come and gather around Jim, and we want to pray for him and this Colorado mission team as they head out this week. God would bless him and protect him. Thank you, Brother Scott. Let's bow together. Lord, what a beautiful day this is today. A day that we get to remember and celebrate today, 2,000 years ago, when you came out of that tomb. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing that means for us in our lives and how we get to live and how we go about our day. It changes everything. The greatest day in human history we celebrate today. And Lord, it does change things for us. It changes everything. It gives us hope. It gives us faith. It gives us trust in you that we get to live out day to day. You've overcome death and sin. What an amazing thing. We thank you for that. We thank you that we really didn't have to do anything but come to you and accept the gift of salvation that came through this day. Let us walk willingly to that. I do want to lift up people that might be here that might be a little bit confused or unsure on what to do with their lives in regards to what Christ means for them, Lord. I lift them to you. And if they would turn to you today, accept that salvation, accept, first of all, that they are sinner and would turn to you. We lift them to you, Lord, and anyone that might be listening on the live stream that wants more of you. We pray that that surrender, the surrender that we all have to go through, the the dying we have to do to ourselves, we have to give up things. But what we get back in return is so much greater. thank you for that fact that what comes back is tenfold we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you for again what today means for us now Lord I want to lift up the uh, Serbian mission team from Colorado District and lift up Jim Rumsey as he goes and ministers to the refugees there in Serbia, the the refugees from Ukraine and Russia, as they work alongside the missionaries, the Nazarene missionaries that are there, Lord. Bless their efforts. Bless what it is they will be doing there, the ways that they could minister to those people in need, in great need. 
and lift up Jim as he as he goes, Lord. Be with them all. And now we will lift up in unison the uh, the prayer that you taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray that together with it as it's on the screen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 I love hearing God's people uh, join together in prayer. Been good to be together already, amen? I hope I don't ruin that in the next 30 minutes. I don't think I've done this but a handful of times, but in the hopes that my girls listen to this message sometime today or in the days ahead, I'd like to dedicate this message to my Rebecca Autumn and my Abigail Morning, two grown daughters living in Missouri and Ohio who have, for a lot of Easter's, made it just a little bit happier. I love you guys. So glad you're here. So glad it's a little warmer today because it's been feeling a little bit more like Christmas to this Easterner. Christmas and Easter, think of it. In the good news story of Jesus, I like to imagine Christmas on that silent night in the little town of Bethlehem. That's where the music began. Solo violin, soft and haunting. Then the full orchestra with cymbals crashing and the sopranos hitting the high notes at Easter. The preaching material for Easter is endless. We're going to be here forever today. No. In addition, and against the backdrop of that gospel reading that Lakeland read so well, I'll be here and there in the New Testament. But on this particular Easter, uh, a passage came to mind from 1 Timothy. It's the Apostle Paul's opening line in his first letter to that uh, young pastor. Here it is. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. There's my message for Easter Sunday 2023. Jesus Christ, our hope. Now, folks here know that I like to sneak pictures of our granddaughter in on Sunday morning. And uh, here's Emmy asking, what happened to Jesus? And every Easter, we stand outside of an empty tomb and ask ourselves that question. 
We stand outside of an empty tomb and ask ourselves, is this true? Because if it isn't, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, if the story ended on a Friday, if the story ended on a cross, if he was just another good man, died too young, then a lot of what Jesus claimed, that he was the Son of Man, that he had power on earth to forgive sins, and a lot of what God has promised, that he was just the first that we would be raised and live forever, if Jesus wasn't raised, then that's not true. The same apostle Paul who wrote to young Timothy also wrote to the Corinthians and said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. I might as well sit down right now. And so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. A lot rides on the truth of what we're singing about and preaching about and celebrating today. Hope is one of my favorite words, and it's the common theme of both Christmas and Easter and the whole gospel, for that matter. And I don't know about you, but I need to know that it's a certain hope, that it's true what we believe, that it's a hope for today, that it's a hope for what I'm facing, it's a hope for tomorrow and all the days of our lives, for our country, for our community, for our family, for our world. And one day for what we face when life here ends. I need to know that it's a certain hope grounded in truth. And that's exactly what I believe we have today. Because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's alive today. With us to the end of the age. Praying for you right now. Preparing a place for you and coming again. That's good news. You say, well, Ben, what's the evidence for all that? Why do you believe that the story didn't end on a cross, that Jesus walked out of the tomb alive three days later? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's the rest of my message. And I want you to know that I have questioned personally everything that I've ever believed. I'm hungry for the truth. I've questioned it. I've wrestled with it. And this isn't just a sermon for me. In fact, you could do me a favor. Just forget the fact that I'm a pastor. I'm just one of you on this journey of life, on this journey of faith, asking the same questions, wrestling with the same things. My friends, we could be here till uh, the sun goes down and just be getting started on the evidence for the truth of what we're celebrating today, but I just want to share a bit with you. Five things, five reasons I believe. Why do I believe in the resurrection? First of all, because of the witness of the Scriptures. Everything that I believe, everything that I have said so far, everything that we've sung about, grounded here in the Bible in these scriptures, the written record of the word and work of God on the plane of human history, not one man's claim of what he heard from God over the period of about a year and a half while holed up in a cave somewhere in the Middle East. This is the record of over 40 men 
who over a period of 1,400 years wrote down their encounters with God and what they saw and what God did and how they heard him speak, including four independently written records and accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, a record of his death and resurrection. Mark's gospel, Lakeland read from that very first gospel ever written down, just years after the events themselves, the, the son of a family in Jerusalem that allowed Jesus to use their house for that last supper. We have Matthew and John's gospels, two of the 12 that followed Jesus from town to town and village to village over the course of those three years of Jesus' public ministry. And then Luke, the medical doctor, the only Gentile of the four who wrote for a Gentile audience. And every one of those Gospels reads true. Look how Luke opens his Gospel. He writes, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke, a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and personal friend of Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave us a written account of Jesus' life and ministry. What do you do with that? Why do I believe in the resurrection? I believe because of the witness of the scriptures. I believe because of the witness of the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit bearing witness to my spirit. God's Spirit confirming in me that what the scriptures say is true. That's a little harder to explain. Have you ever just known something? You feel it in your gut. You just know. This is like that, but stronger. Paul talks about the witness of the Spirit in our reconciled relationship with God through Christ. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's a peace and assurance. In addition to the record and the other evidence that I'll offer today, in my heart the Spirit says, this is trustworthy and true. Why well, to believe that Christ was raised from the dead, the witness of the scriptures, the witness of the spirit, and I believe because of the witness of the martyrs. Ten of those 12 disciples died a martyr's death, crucified, stoned, beheaded for a lie. For something they made up just to help themselves feel better? Something that wasn't true? Some of us are old enough to remember uh, the Watergate scandal and this man named Chuck Colson, one of President Nixon's inner circle. Colson would serve time for his part in the Watergate scandal, but come to a saving faith in Christ. And years later, he would write this. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 30, 40, 60 years. 
never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 30 to 60 years? Absolutely impossible. I believe because of the witness of the martyrs, before Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire in the 4th century, thousands were martyred for their faith in the arena and across the empire. Today, every 15 minutes, someone loses their life simply because they believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus' resurrection because of the witness of the Scriptures of the spirit, of the martyrs, and because of the witness of changed lives. Romans 6, verse 4, the Apostle Paul again, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And hundreds of millions have, including me. I always like to confess, I know I'm still a piece of work. I always say, if you don't think so, ask Kelly. She lives with me. But the difference that Jesus has made in my life since I invited him into my heart as a 10-year-old boy in the Royal Sport Church of the Nazarene, I can't begin to tell you. He's my example. He's the one I want to be like. I can sense his presence in my life, his help. He challenges me and encourages me and gives me hope and meaning and purpose every day. Some of you might say, well, you grew up with all that. It's easy for you. I'm wondering how many here today came to a saving faith in Jesus later in life as an adult, and you could testify this morning of the significant change he's made in your life. I'm going to have you do something bold. If that's you, I want you to just do a quick stand-up testimony. Not going to have you say anything. Just stand up. You came to a saving faith in Jesus as an adult. Oh, stay standing just for a second. I promise I won't make you dance a jig or anything. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You all remember the St. Louis Rams center Jason Brown by any chance? If you're an NFL fan, maybe you would. The highest paid center in the NFL who quit football and left $12.5 million on the table to start farming. So about 11 years ago, 2012. He bought 1,000 acres of farmland in North Carolina. He's doing this to help the less fortunate. He grows sweet potatoes and uh, other vegetables and donates his harvest to food pantries. Tens of thousands of pounds every year. He calls his farm the First Fruits Farm. He says he asked Jesus, as an NFL player, what he would do, could do with all the blessings he had been given. The answer he heard, I want you to feed my people. So he quit, and he did just that. He's still doing it today. At some point in his young life, Jason met Jesus, and he was never the same. And one changed life at a time, the world is a better place in Jesus' name. Here's my final bit of evidence for today. 
for the resurrection, evidence that Jesus was more than just another good man, that he was, in fact, the Son of God. It's the incredible, inexplicable difference that Jesus has made, the influence that Jesus has had along with his church, his followers in this world. If you're a reader and you want a good book that summarizes the influence of Christ in the last 2,000 years, I'd recommend John Ortberg's book, Who Is This Man? At the beginning of a chapter, uh, of chapter 1, he writes this, On the day after Jesus' death, it looked as if whatever small mark he left on the world would rapidly disappear. Instead, his impact on human history has been unparalleled. After his disappearance from earth, the days of his unusual influence began. Rightly seen, the effect on past and current history will cause any thoughtful person, apart from their religious ideas about Christianity, to ask, who is this man? The late Yale historian Yaroslav Pelikan wrote, if it were possible with some sort of super magnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of Jesus' name, how much would be left? What difference has Jesus made in the world? Here's just a few examples. Jesus has made a difference for children. Historian O.M. Backey wrote a study called When Children Became People, The Birth of Childhood in Early Christianity, in which he noted that in the ancient world, children usually get named after the eighth day or so. Up until then, there was a chance that the infant would be killed or left to die of exposure, particularly if it was deformed or of the unpreferred gender. I wonder which gender that would have been. This custom changed because of a group of people who remembered that they were followers of the one who said, let the little children come unto me. The average lifespan at the time of Christ was around 30 years old, leaving a lot of orphans. If they didn't have wealthy relatives, they would likely be abandoned or enslaved until Christian communities began to raise money for their support the beginning of orphanages. In the wake of the industrial revolution of the 18th century, Christian philanthropist and newspaper man Robert Rakes in Gloucester, England, discovered a large number of children, poor as the day was long, working 12-hour days, 16, six days a week, and preventing them from going to school. Rakes talked to his pastor about teaching them to read and write and do math on Sundays. His pastor thought it worth a try, and Sunday school was born. Within a few years, there were 4,000 Sunday schools throughout England, giving children a leg up in the world. We're talking about the influence of Jesus. Let's go back to that unpreferred gender. Jesus has made a difference for women. A first century letter from a husband to his pregnant wife illustrates the common fate of many baby girls. I ask and beg you, he writes, 
to take good care of our baby son. If you are delivered of a child before I come home, if it is a boy, keep it. If it is a girl, discard it. That practice changed as the Christian faith spread throughout the Roman Empire. Jesus invited women as well as men to follow him, unprecedented for a Jewish rabbi of his day. Jesus and his church were planting seeds that would bear fruit centuries later that would lift the status and value of women. Our own Church of the Nazarene was involved in the women's suffrage movement at the beginning of the 20th century. Jesus has made a difference on learning. Jesus called to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind would lead to a community with such reverence for learning that when the classical world was destroyed in what we call, sometimes called the Dark Ages, that little community of faith would preserve what was left of its learning. In time, the movement he started would give rise to libraries and then guilds of learning. Eventually, Oxford and Cambridge, Harvard and Yale, and virtually the entire Western system of education and scholarship would arise because of his followers. The insistence on universal literacy would grow out of an understanding that this Jesus, who was himself a teacher, who highly praised truth, told his followers to enable every person in the world to learn. We're talking about the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus has made a difference in the arena of law. It is because of his movement that language such as this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, entered history. Jesus made a difference for freedom. Think of William Wilberforce, Jonathan Blanchard, Martin Luther King Jr., Desmond Tutu. Most of you know that Kelly and I pastored a church in Maryland for 35 years. While there, our girls were born at Shady Grove Adventist Hospital. 30 years before they came along, I was born at Mount Carmel Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Over the course of those years, Kelly and I visited in more than 40 hospitals in the Washington, D.C. area, many of them named Holy Cross or Good Samaritan. Johns Hopkins Hospital and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine were founded by a Quaker whose name the hospital and university still bear today, one of the premier hospitals and schools in the country. There's this beautiful statue of Jesus in the lobby of the Dome Billings Administration Building. We've seen that a few times. Named the Christus Consolator or the Divine Healer. In the early centuries of the church, a church father named Basil had an idea. What if we build a place to love and care for lepers? They don't have money. We'll raise the money. That was the beginning of what would come to be known as hospitals. The Council of Nyssa decreed that wherever a cathedral existed, there must be a hospice, a place of caring for the sick and poor. They were the world's very first voluntary charitable institutions. Am I boring you yet? You guys with me? We're talking about the influence of Jesus. Another follower of Jesus named Jean 
Henry Duneau couldn't stand the sound of soldiers crying out on a battlefield after they had been wounded. So the Swiss, Swiss philanthropist said he would devote his life to helping them in Jesus' name. That started the organization in the 1860s that became known as the Red Cross. Every time you see the Red Cross, you are seeing a thumbprint of Jesus. This could go on and on. Hospice care, Habitat for Humanity, AA, World Vision, the Salvation Army, the YMCA, Samaritan's Purse, Compassionate International, each one touching millions of lives and all inspired by Jesus and his followers down through the centuries. When Chuck Colson got uh, saved and out of prison, he founded Prison Fellowship with ministries in hundreds of prisons in dozens of countries that help prisoners in prison and after they get out. And then I begin to think about the ripple effect of all these institutions and all these ministries and all these missions and all these efforts. I think about a guy named Gregoria Chalks who was saved through prison fellowship in a prison in Columbia, South America, who somehow landed in D.C., started a church in her own building, started a ministry to drug and alcohol addicts. And the lives that were changed through that one man that Jesus got a hold of is incredible. We're talking about the influence of Jesus. Think of the art, the music. almost feel like breaking into joy to the world or something right now. The architecture. Someone once said that if Jesus were just one of the world's great teachers, why are there no cathedrals built to honor Socrates or Plato? 1,500 books are still written every year about Jesus. Jesus, 2,000 years after he lived, still makes the cover of magazines. Think about how we measure time. From complete obscurity, Jesus came to public attention for the blink of an eye, maybe three years, maybe as few as one. Yet today, every time we glance at a calendar or date a check, we are reminded that chronologically at least, this incredibly brief life has become somehow the dividing line of history. On a personal note, John Ortberg in his book writes this, I was given the name of Jesus' friend John. I live in the Bay Area, named for Jesus' friend Francis, San Francisco, if you're not following there. And I was born 1957 years after Jesus. It is in Jesus' name that desperate people pray, grateful people worship, and angry people swear. From christenings to weddings to sick rooms to funerals, it is in Jesus' name that people are hatched, matched, patched, and dispatched. Even in our death, Jesus' influence is hard to escape. The practice of burial in graveyards or cemeteries was taken from his followers. The word cemetery itself is taken from the Greek word meaning sleeping place. It expressed the Christian hope of resurrection. I'm literally just scratching the service this morning. I can relate to the Apostle John who ended his gospel with these words. John 21, verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. 
And that was just decades after his brief life here. And as we heard earlier in the service, John and Matthew and Mark and Luke wrote these things down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And as others have already said in this service, that's our hope for each and every one of you and all those that share life with you, all those in your family, your circle of friends. Once in a while, I get the question, what compels you to uh, tell other people about Jesus? I mean, religion is a private thing. You know, it's okay for you. Haven't you ever, like, uh, won something or done something or had something that you just couldn't tell? You, you couldn't wait to tell somebody else about it? If you discovered the cure to cancer today, every kind of cancer, would you let somebody know? If you saw a kid stepping off the curb out into traffic about to get hit, would you yell? Oh, man, we've got something. Got someone. We've got to tell somebody. We don't kick doors in, but we do knock. We don't cram it down somebody's throat, but man, we've got good news today. Back to the influence of Jesus. Yes, inquisitions and crusades and complicity in corporate sins like the slave trade in these United States littered the landscape of church history. And we had to face those things and confess them and make things right where we can. Just this past week, I heard on NBC News allegations of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church back in our home state of Maryland, the Baltimore Diocese. We've got to face those things, church. Be accountable. Right wrongs. But we should recognize that they are examples of times and places and portions of the church that have not followed the example, the example of Jesus. The overwhelming influence of Christ in his church has been for good. And it's a compelling piece of evidence for the truth of who Jesus claims to be, the truth of what we celebrate here today. I usually save this reading for Christmas, but I'm pulling it out for Easter. One solitary life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did nothing of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a, a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today 
He is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Just another good man, just another teacher, given the impact on the world, it just doesn't add up. Here's my Easter challenge for today. If you don't yet believe, check it out. Check him out. Check out his church. If there's this much evidence, this much impact, this much significance about someone, it seems to me that you ought to at least check it out. Here's my cell number. If you're sitting here today and you've got questions, you've got a beef with what I've said, I'll take you to lunch. I'll take you to breakfast. I'll pay for it. Kelly and I will have you over. We live across the parking lot. I want to talk to you. I want to field your questions. I'm a good listener. I've asked the same questions myself. Jot that number down. Give me a call. Give me a text. And in that pursuit of truth, don't give up. Don't let one little hurt or one little disappointment or, or one unanswered question uh, make you give up on the most important pursuit of your life. I'm talking about questions on which everything hinges today. If you don't believe, check it out. If you do believe, live it out. Live it out. Show and tell the good news of Jesus. Make a difference. Serve each other in love. Love your neighbor. Give yourself away. Do good. Get involved. Give people hope. Give the folks you live with and work with and play with and live next door to the certain hope that we have in Jesus. For many in the church, it's way past due. Parents here today and grandparents, tell the good news of the gospel to your kids and grandkids, just like the Apostle Paul handed off the good news of the gospel to young Timothy. We've got to tell the next generation. But my friends, we've got to live it out. We've got to show it as much as we tell it. There's the challenge today. going to take a turn, invite the worship team back up. Kelly said it at our service Friday evening. Before there was an empty tomb, there had to be a cross. Before the resurrection of death, before a bright Easter Sunday, a good Friday when the earth shook and the sky grew black. I want us to come back to the cross as we close today. Not to mourn or grieve but to remember once more what Jesus did and give him thanks. Amen? Amen? They say nothing's free in life, and that's true. That especially applies to our salvation. But our salvation is free to us because Jesus paid it all. Somebody once said, you spell religion D-O, do. There's something you got to do to earn God's favor, to earn God's love, to make it into heaven. But just you spell Christian faith, D-O-N-E, done. 
it was done for us by Christ on the cross. And we just have to believe. Receive the grace that God has given us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In the gospel story, the music began at Christmas and came to a climax at Easter. Three days prior to Easter, there was a rest. The music stopped. But it was in that silence when a life, the life of Jesus, was freely offered that life could be regained for all of us who will just trust him, who will follow him. Will you? We've been singing a new song through the Lenten season, and for those of us that have come to believe, that have learned the song, it'll be our opportunity to express our gratitude one more time before this weekend's up for Jesus. If you haven't yet come to believe, you can. This can be your moment. It's as easy as what I did as a 10-year-old boy. Somehow I knew enough in that moment to invite Jesus into my heart, to realize that he loved me, to realize that I wanted to spend my life with him and live in it for him. That could happen for you today. Let's stand as we sing. Jesus Christ, our hope. Thanks be to God. He's here today. Praise be to his name. there. 
Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. And now, Lord, as we are ending this service, Father, we just want to come to you. We want to confess any unconfessed sin, Lord, that is in our life to you. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Please forgive me, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is not pleasing to you. I come to you. I confess that sin to you. And I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that forgiveness that is available to all of us because of Jesus' death on the cross. And Lord, I open my heart to you. And I invite you to come in to my life. Change me, Lord. Make me white. Make me pure. Cleanse me, Lord. And Father, I receive you into my heart. And the hope and the knowledge of eternity in heaven with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Because you, Jesus, was raised from the dead. We all can be raised. Those who put their trust in you, Jesus, can have eternity, live forever in heaven with you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the hope that we all have because of you, Jesus. We thank you. And Father, I just pray that you will go with us now. Help us to live each and every moment of our lives with you. Help us to make a difference in our homes. Help us to make a difference in our workplace. Help us to make a difference in our schools, Lord, and in our and wherever we might go, Father. We know that we shine for you, Jesus. We thank you for this time that we've had together today. Just continue, Lord to work in our hearts and our lives as we go, go from this place to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a gift for all of you. It's on the back table, and maybe our ushers might be back there getting ready to hand those out. This is a prayer journal, and I don't know if any of you are in the habit of maybe opening up the Word and reading each and every day, but this is something that starts today. The Church of the Nazarene is going to be doing this and uh, we would love to invite you to uh, walk through this with us. So grab that prayer journal as you go out and uh, start today. 
with some uh, devotion, some time with the Lord, and I think you will enjoy that. And if you are a parent with children, I'm going to dismiss you first, and you can go right out that side door and up the hall. Kids are waiting for you to come. They will give you instructions on the Easter egg hunt that is going to be taking place right after the service, and I know that that's going to be a lot of fun. If Even if you don't have kids, you're welcome to go there and help them hunt Easter eggs. But may God bless you today. Have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for coming. God bless you as you go. Let's tell them all about
Talk with